Amen. You may be seated. Oh, what an amazing time of worship. Amen. God is so good. And uh, as we get into his word together, uh, what an incredible season, right? I mean, it's just a great season uh, in many ways. Uh, how many of you like fall? You like football? Right? I mean, hopefully we got some football fans in here. Uh, it is that time of year, right? There's uh, fall, you get the flannel out, even if you live in Florida, right? It's, uh, they told me when I moved down here a few years ago that, you know, once it got like 75 and below, I would uh, need uh, sleeves. And being from Michigan, I was like, there's no way. Y'all, I was out on my porch, my patio, my lanai, whatever you call it this morning. I was in a hoodie, a winter coat, Long pants, and I had a blankie. I'm just, I just lost my man card, but it's the truth. So it's fall, and uh, there's something about, you know, football that for me has always just been fun, right? And, and if you think about it, I mean, if, this, if you know what a football is, I mean, it has to be inflated, and it has to be in the hands of somebody who knows what it's for. And, and the better that person is, the more mastery they have, the better the game goes. And when we think about the season that we're in now, we think about what Jesus invites us into with kingdom living. In many ways, it's a reminder that, you know, God is a God who takes us from, from one condition to another. You see, this, this football is not really useful, right? I mean, it's not inflated. It's, it, it's not going to fulfill the purpose which it was designed for. And, and when you think about our life with Jesus, I, I just want to remind you that Jesus invites us from death and even feeling deflated and discouraged. We have a world that is out to just beat us up and make us feel this way. And, and he invites us into life. And, and then we place our hands in the master's hands and, and suddenly everything begins to change and we begin to experience what was intended. When you think about this, one of the sacraments that's in the church that recognize this is, is baptism. And uh, December 3rd, we've got another baptism coming up. We'd love to invite you to think about that step. If you've not professed Jesus through baptism as either an, a youth or an adult that, that really made that decision and knew what they were doing, we would invite you to sign up, get more information, and consider that. We believe that because Jesus was baptized, and because Jesus said, go and baptize, that it's for all of us. And we'd love to have you a part of that because it is from death to life. Now, as we get into the word today, there's this reality that Jesus uh, taught along the way life-giving habits. Habits that, that would breathe and keep life in us. That even once we've received him, that there's things in life that can press and push and suddenly we can feel deflated. As we look at the text today, we're going to look at the two of these habits, prayer and fasting. We're going to look at how Jesus taught them and what they mean for our life. And it's this idea of it's like breathing. Can you say that with me? It's like breathing. Because for Jesus, prayer was like breathing. It was the late uh, evangelist Tom Skinner that, that I first heard say that, that for Jesus, prayer was like breathing. It was natural. It was part of life. It was what was needed. And let me show you a little bit of, of how he began to t teach that and what I think he wants to say to us today. In Matthew 6, uh, we're going to pick up in verse uh, 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by the others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. 
But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. If you're taking notes here, the first point I want to make is that prayer is like breathing to a Christ follower. That it is literally something that is meant to be a part of our lifestyle and habit and in such a way that we need it as much as we need air and oxygen in our lungs. That it's meant to be like breathing. Uh, There's a revivalist and author, uh, Mark Sayers, who says this. He says, in renewal, which is what precedes revival, he says, in renewal, the great beliefs of Christianity no longer are seen as just timeless truths, but lived realities. This is so important for us to realize because we all know that typically the right answer when somebody asks a question in church is Jesus, the Bible, and then if you didn't get it right on those two, say prayer and you're probably gonna land somewhere decent. Have you noticed that? Like we know that prayer is a thing, but what does it mean to be a lived reality? You see, what Jesus is teaching in Mark 6 is that that prayer itself is not about recognition. It is about recognizing who we are in relationship with. That it isn't about you and I being recognized, uh, you know, for long, weighty prayers. Wow, look how many words they use. Look how great it sounded. It's actually not about our recognition. It's about the recognition of who you're in community and connection with. You see, for most of us, there's probably somebody we admire right now in the world. It might be a world leader. It might be a celebrity. You know, it may be somebody that my guess is you don't have their phone number and you can't call on them today. Fair? Now, you might say, well, I could DM them. Some of you don't even know what a DM is. That's a direct message on social media, right? Now, yeah, you might be able to send that and among the thousands of people that they receive those from, maybe, maybe they'll choose yours. But at the end of the day, we need to be reminded that the creator of the universe, the all-knowing, all-powerful, omniscient God says, hey, you can call on me anytime. You can call on me throughout your day, throughout your week, Throughout anything you're going through, you can call on me and be in connection and relationship with me. And the reality is prayer deepens that relationship and trust. And I want to sit in this for a minute because as you pray, it deepens your relationship with God, but it also builds your trust of God because you remember who he is and who you're not. You remember what he's capable of as you pray And it deepens that trust you have. It also can change your earthly relationships. If you're married or have kids or you have any humans in your life, okay? When you begin to pray for them, but then also pray with them, it actually deepens the relationship and builds trust because you're inviting the God of the universe and the Holy Spirit into that moment. He said in Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered, there I am. So it's in those moments that it deepens our relationship even with others because we hear their heart. 
We pray for each other. The Holy Spirit does something. And here's why this matters. God's church, in fact, Jesus said that it would be a prayer, a house of prayer for all nations. We serve a God who is passionate about all nations being reached in our world. In a day and age where we live in a very divided world, a very deflating, discouraging world, prayer is one of those things that can actually unite people regardless of what they look like, regardless of their background. For us to be a church for all people, we have to prioritize prayer and believe that prayer invites us to deepen relationships and grow trust across any differences because Jesus and the Holy Spirit unite us. Can I get an amen, church? Come on, y'all are acting like this isn't good news. It's really good news because when you leave those doors or you turn that live stream off today, you live in a world that is not saying those things and doesn't have the same prayer available that we have and we just need to treat it like breathing. We need to say that, no, this, this isn't just a habit, a truth, or a good idea. This is a way of living and how we do life together. Now, we're gonna move on to the next one. Jesus goes on, and I'm actually gonna skip a section and come back to it. So for all of you like super linear thinkers, I'm gonna mess with your world right now. And you're gonna be like, why did he skip that? He skipped the Lord's Prayer. How could he do that? I'm gonna just ask you to hold your judgment. Yeah, I'm a little goofy, but I'm gonna come back to it, all right? Let's look at verse 16. It says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disguise their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. If you're taking notes here, if prayer is like breathing, fasting is like putting on an oxygen mask to a Christ follower. You see, if you've ever had a moment where, and and I've had one of these where I, I had some carbon monoxide exposure and I needed an oxygen mask, right? My kids did too. It was a bad dad moment. That's a story for another time, all right? And so you put on that oxygen mask and suddenly everything is enhanced. You begin to breathe again. If you've been on an airplane, you know, what do they tell you? In the event of an emergency, if the masks deploy, put on yours before you put on your neighbors, right? Why is that? Because we need moments in life where we need a little bit more. And, And here's what fasting is in scripture. It's abstaining from food for a period of time to turn and depend on God. Now, there are other kinds of fast. You could choose to fast from social media or the news or maybe the political cycle right now. Please do that. Like, seriously, consider fasting from all the craziness that's going to unfold in the next year. It will help you love Jesus and love your neighbor. I'm just telling you. So there's things we can fast from, but a biblical fast is dealing with food. And and it's interesting when you think about this because Jesus wanted us to understand that it's not a suggestion, it's actually expected. And it's meant to be our secret sauce. 
Like, maybe you have wondered, like, what's in the Big Mac? Y'all, it's Thousand Island, all right? Maybe you've wondered, like, what's the Chick-fil-A sauce made with? I mean, if you Google it, you're probably going to get some answers. It's a different day and age, right? I grew up, it was like, what's in the Coca-Cola syrup? Oh, they've got it locked in a vault, and you'll never know. And, you know, you've got KFC and all these things. And here's the deal. For the believer, Jesus is saying there is a secret to this relationship and a reward there when we fast, not to be seen, but to allow it to be this secret sauce that that as we're praying, we say, you know what? I need a little bit more of him. I need a little bit more. I need a a little bit more of his presence, a little bit more of of his power. And, And it's amazing what God does when we fast. In fact, Fasting is, is not just expect, or suggested, it's expected. It also is something that is going to deepen our dependency and lead to renewal. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. I want to read to you a quote by Richard Foster in his classic Celebration of Discipline. He says this, Fasting helps us keep our balance in life. How easily we begin to allow non-essentials to take precedent in our lives. How quickly we crave things we do not need until we are enslaved by them. Now, we're Americans. We are, I believe, last I checked, the most overweight nation in the world. Oh, he said it. He was doing well till he talked about my food and our weight. Well, you know what? Jesus talked about it, so we'll talk about it, right? It's about a year ago that I actually realized like God was saying, it's time, Brian, like you, you've got to go on a journey with your health. You, we, we've got to do something about your love and affection for food because y'all, I love food and I can become enslaved to it. I'm guessing at some level, like when you go to the, let me give you an example. I didn't do this in first service. You go to the grocery aisle, right? You've got what? 50 different kinds of salad dressings. We've moved to a place where Publix, Costco, Sam's Club is amazing, but it gives us so many options that food is no longer something we need as much as we have learned to desire and want. And fasting actually frees us from things that we're enslaved to so that we can be better connected to the Lord. It's a big deal. So if you'll go back to that point, it's about dependency, not on the things like food or others that we turn to, but it's about depending on God in new and fresh ways and experiencing renewal. Now, if prayer and fasting are new to you, just go on the journey. Allow God to take you on a journey. In fact, when I was uh, 19 years old, I can remember I had been hired At a Christian camp, there were 400 other workers like me, and we were going to serve 22,000 campers that summer. I was newly surrendered to the Lord. I had grown up in a great Christian home. My parents are in this service. Shout out, Mom and Dad. I love you. Okay? But for whatever reason, I had not developed a real relationship with the Lord until that moment of surrender at age 19 at that Christian camp. Now, as they're preparing us to lead campers, I am in a circle with about 30 other leaders, and I don't know how to pray out loud. I'm 19, I'm hired to be a leader, and I don't know how to pray out loud. I've never done it. So, 
I listen to the first prayer. I listen to the fifth prayer. I listen to the, maybe the 10th. And I, I take the different prayers and I piece them together and I fake it. Now, aren't you glad that there are people that will love you enough to tell you the truth? About the third night of me doing that, there was one of our staff members pulled me aside and they said, hey, um, this seems really new to you. I said, yeah, some of it is. And they said, it sounds like you're kind of copying the prayers that came before you. And, and they did this privately, but I was so embarrassed, right? And, they, and I said, yeah, you caught me. And they said, listen, prayer is just conversation with God. Prayer is just something that's meant to be you talking to God and then sharing that for others. It doesn't have to be a show. That changed everything for me. A few years later, there was somebody that said, hey, have you ever fasted? And I said, no, only for blood work. <laughs> and they said, well, let, let me tell you about fasting and how spiritually it's something. And so I went on a journey with that. What I'm trying to help you see is it can create a greater dependency in your walk with the Lord. And Jesus didn't suggest it. He actually expected it. Let me read to you what Matthew 9 says a few chapters later, verses 14 through 17. He says, Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom, that's Jesus, is taken away from them. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father, right? He's not with us. He says, And then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. There's a renewing aspect of fasting that even the world is waking up to. Intermittent fasting, you may have heard of, it's become very popular. It's actually at a cellular level within our bodies, an amazing thing that fasting does. It's actually called cell uh, autophagy. Cell autophagy means that our bodies, when we fast, actually purge dead cells and begin to regenerate new cells. So there's a benefit physically. Some of you are like, oh, I don't have to go get that cream? Maybe not, right? I mean, there's a reality that God has wired our bodies to be renewed by him through fasting. And that according to Matthew 9, spiritually, there are things that when we begin to empty ourselves of the things we're depending on, he begins to pour in more of his spirit and a renewal from him. So what does it look like for you to embrace prayer like breathing? fasting like oxygen. Because when we think about that, Jesus gets really practical in the middle section that we're gonna look at today. He gets really practical on, on how do we pray and what does it look like. And so as we lean into that and look at it together, I just wanna share with you a little bit of an illustration here that hopefully is helpful. Um, we're gonna move to the blackboard and See if I can operate technology. What do you think? Am I doing all right? All right, we've got it. 
All right, so there's, when we think about how do we pray, there's two kinds of prayer that can be very common for many of us. Uh, one I'll call, some of you love this, like he's, I got it, there we go. All right, is it on the screen? Say yes if it is. All right, thank you. So when we pray, sometimes we pray, we want to move towards consistent prayer versus crisis prayer. And, and I want to kind of spell out to you the difference, right? So there's a difference in the focus. Can you read my writing? Kind of. Well, at least we're honest. Uh, another one would be connection, the motivation, and then the point of view. Because each of these is different, and I believe God wants to invite us to the next level. That's point of view. So when we think about consistent prayer in our focus, it's really about relationship. A relationship with the creator that, as we've talked about, is like breathing. I need it. It's available. It's there. I get to call on him. In crisis, it's about a task. It's about something I need, something I want, something I'm going through. And, and so the result of that, the connection with consistent prayer is very personal. It has more of an intimacy to it. There's more of a friendship to it. Uh, with crisis, it's very impersonal. Now, let me get really like practical with this. If you have children and the only time you hear from your children is when they need something, that feels a little bit more impersonal. Uh, in fact, you know, I, I, over the last couple of years, one of my children, I was convinced the phone I was paving for wasn't working in, because I couldn't get a hold of them until the Venmo request would arrive. And then I would realize, oh yeah, their phone works and they know how to come when they want money, right? Anybody? Is that too real? You're all like, huh, he really just said that. I did. My kids will talk to me later, I'm sure. But, but don't we do that sometimes, right? Where we only show up and ask and pray and fast when we're in a crisis. That's very impersonal. And God invites us to a much more intimate, personal friendship with him. Now, the motivation, when it's consistent, is uh, really conversation. It's connection. It's going to God, not just to express, but also to sit and to listen, to receive, sometimes from his word, the Bible, sometimes by just worshiping and listening. In, when it's in crisis, it's based on our circumstance. It's based on the fact that something's falling apart and we need and want God's help in that. Now, the point of view, this is significant. When we're in consistent prayer, it becomes about the big picture. It really becomes about a heavenly perspective that is so much larger and greater than what we typically can see. In crisis, it's about the small or little picture and is really about what's going on on earth. Now, both of these, to be clear, I'm, yes, please pray and call on God in crisis. But if that's all we're doing, we're missing the blessing and benefit of what can happen when we begin to focus on consistent prayer and invite God into a, a relationship that's personal, that's a conversation, that allows us to see a much bigger, broader picture from the God of the universe. Amen? Amen? 
And so this, this, I believe, is the invitation to all of us and to our church in this season. Because when we begin to move to consistent prayer, then we can ask the question, what are we focusing on? Or, as I was praying about this message, it was this phrase, what are you elevating? What are the things in your life that you're elevating that are winning right now, that aren't God? Maybe it's an anxiety, it's a fear, it's an insecurity, it's something you want versus maybe what God wants. And so when we elevate those things, they get in the way of what God wants to actually do and give us in our life. So we have to, in prayer, look at what are we elevating and notice how Jesus begins to teach us how to pray. Verses nine and 10. He says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you're taking notes here, our first focus in prayer is on the Father. It's actually on the Father, and the why behind that is we care about God's reputation, his rule, and his will. I want to break this down for a minute for you, because that first piece of elevating the Father, for many of us, that's difficult, because we live in a world where potentially we've been let down by our earthly Father. Now, my father is in the room right now. I am blessed that my father made a decision to be a first-generation Christian father. My brother and I have benefited from that. He has been an incredible earthly father. But he would tell you, and I think agree, that he's not perfect. He said amen. Whew. I'm a father of four. I have four children, ages 10 to 19. I love them dearly, but they know and I know I'm not a perfect earthly father. You see, sometimes those things can cloud us when we go to the heavenly father. To actually be able to go to the father and realize that a perfect heavenly father loves you unconditionally, serves you unconditionally, pours out grace and mercy on you unconditionally, that he's sovereign, that he serves you and I, that he protects us, he provides for us, he takes care of us in ways that will never let us down when we depend on him. Can I get an amen, church? That's who we're praying to, that's who we're elevating, that's who we're inviting into our life. And in that, we care about his reputation more than ours. Jesus said, hallowed be your name, holy would be your name, nothing should defame the name of God. And the reality is that we sometimes through prayer need to be reminded of that because we aren't representing God very well here on earth sometimes. We as Christians, you know, that means followers of the way, little Christ, sometimes we aren't acting like Jesus. So what happens is, as I pray and say, hallowed be your name, I'm reminded that I'm here to represent him and I care about his reputation, so I'll do things his way. He said, Jesus said, your kingdom come. That's God's reign and rule. That we would care about his kingdom on earth and advancing his will, not ours. You ever prayed and just really, if you're honest, you went to God and said, uh, hey, this is what I got going on. Uh, could you bless it? <laughs> right? I mean, how often do we go to God, not for his kingdom, and his will, but for ours. 
And I'll just submit to you that so much of prayer is when we focus in the right place. God says, let me remind you, it isn't about you. I want to use you. I want to bless you. I want to work through your life. I want to extend my kingdom through you. But you've got to remember at times to let go of your reign and rule. King Brian has to let go for King Jesus. And to say, okay, God, whatever you want, whatever your will is, I'm here for that. That's what I want. That's why prayer is so important. Now, if we focus first on the Father, Jesus then tells us how that we can begin to pray over our needs. And I love how he does it because it's so simple. Let's take a look at it. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. As you think about the second part to prayer, the first is we focus on the Father. The second is we begin to focus on our needs, your needs. And there's a how and a what here. The, the how is, he says, give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. It again reminds us that we need God's help and intervention. And this is so important because American culture in general tries to teach us to be rugged and independent. And y'all, I love Florida. Lord willing, I'm never going anywhere else. But y'all, Florida's doubled down on what it means to be independent. Have you noticed? We love freedom. We love, you know, the, the whole thing. I didn't say this in first service, so uh, welcome to second. I, I actually feel like many times, like the mentality is, you do you and don't tell me what to do. Right? Like, we'll give freedom. And, and the thing about that is I think it inherently puts within us this inability sometimes to let God be God because we're trying to hustle, we're trying to control, we're trying to figure it out, we're trying to make it happen, and that's exhausting. I mean, that is so exhausting. And, and Jesus invites us to, to let go and to begin to travel light. That was actually the other question as I was praying over this message. The first was, what are you elevating? The second was, are you traveling light? Are, are you traveling light and putting yourself in a position where you're letting go and allowing God to be God? That you can say, give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. That it's God first moving, not my strength and my ability. Are you with me, church? So he breaks it down into four categories. Daily bread, which that's a tough one, right? We talked, I mentioned earlier Walmart and Sam's Club and Publix and all, the, all these places we go. We have pantries filled with food. So it's often difficult to understand what it means to depend on God for our daily bread. But that's what prayer and fasting does is begins to reorient us to realize we are meant to depend on God in the day to day. That it's something that even if your pantry's full, you're still acknowledging, God, I need you. I need you today. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your strength. I need you to help me in my weakness. I need you to be there. 
So that's our daily bread. He then says, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our debts as we forgive those that have come against us, right? And this issue of forgiveness is significant because when we come to Jesus, we're reminded that he offers us forgiveness and then asks us to forgive others. And many times, if we're not carrying too much weight with the daily bread and trying to hustle and make it happen, we might be carrying too much weight with unforgiveness. Things that we haven't come to the Father with to ask for forgiveness, or things that we haven't forgiven somebody else. We're carrying bitterness and grudges. And and it begins over time to wear us down. I was actually talking to somebody in the last couple weeks and it was a reminder that I'm getting a little bit older because I said, you know, it's like that saying years ago that when we forgive somebody, it's like a prisoner was set free and we realized that prisoner was me. And they said, I've never heard that. They're they're about 15 years younger than me. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, um, I'm getting older. But it's the truth. It's the truth, right? We carry things that, that actually we think it's affecting the other person and it's only affecting us. And there's God through prayer inviting us to be able to receive forgiveness and give it. I love that he then says, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. He doubles down on this issue that we live in a fallen world, that we have an enemy that would love nothing more, John 10 10 says, to steal, kill, and destroy, to deflate us, to discourage us, to divide us, to get us away from God and away from the people of God, to fall away and to fall into sin. And so he says part of prayer is acknowledging, Lord, help me to not fall into temptation Deliver us. When evil shows up, sometimes we're not even the ones that invited it, and it shows up. And, and he's saying, pray that God would deliver us from those things. You see, prayer is a lot more simple. A lot, it's profound, but so simple. So I say it's like breathing. So what, what does it look like in your life and mine to engage in prayer and fasting in these ways? I want to ask you three questions, next steps, and then we're going to respond together. First, when I began, I talked about baptism. Baptism into the life of Jesus, declaring who you will follow, what you believe about him. Under the water, it's death to my old life. As I come up out of the water, I'm alive in Christ. If you've not been baptized, we would love for you to sign up today to get more information, to see somebody We would love to to walk you through that and to have you a part of it. Secondly, I want to ask you the question, if if you're a visitor, I'm so glad you're here today. Hopefully you're hearing about a God who loves you and wants a real relationship with you. If you're a regular here at Pathway, I'm challenging you right now. We have got to be a people of prayer that know how to pray like breathing and depend with fasting that we mix in. In fact, I forgot to say this earlier. Um, So I'm going to ask you the question, then I'll say it. Will you practice prayer and fasting as a part of kingdom living? We as a church this year have declared that Wednesdays is our corporate day of prayer and fasting. And so if you've been doing it, keep going on Wednesdays. If you're not doing it yet or it's the first you've heard of it, it's an invitation to start this week. Whether it's one meal or two meals, maybe, you know, the whole day even, 
Begin fasting with us because God is going to do something in your life and the life of our church through that. We also start every new year with a 21-day fast. Uh, this will be our fourth year doing it since my arrival. And, uh, you know, most, many have jumped in and it's been incredible. Uh, some of you have probably been waiting to see if, like, I wonder if Brian will give that up before I have to actually do it. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. We already got it planned for January. And there's a reason why. That 21 days of prayer and fasting, you know, whether you do a meal a day or you fast from other things or you, maybe you fast entirely, if you're going to do that, see your physician uh, first. But those are all things that are a part of what it means for us to be his church here. So will you practice it? Will you go on that journey with us? Third, are you traveling light today? And what do you need to lay down? We're going to receive communion today. We do this the first Sunday, uh, typically of every month, sometimes even more often, depending on how God's leading. And as we receive communion today, I'll, I'll walk you through the logistics in a minute. But it's, it's a special time for believers to come to the table to receive the bread and the juice, symbolizing Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, his blood that covers us. It invites us to lay things down, to let go, to focus on him, and to really bring our needs before him. It also invites us to confess things that maybe we need to say, God, here's, here's an area where I need your help and I need your forgiveness. It also invites us to begin sharing that with others. And so uh, in a minute, um, I'm gonna pull out my cheat sheet. Uh, Pastor Randy provided me with this, the instructions, because you're gonna come forward. As we do that, the outside sections, you're gonna go to the wall on either side, come up and receive the elements. There's two cups when you come forward. There's the cup with the juice. Underneath that cup is the small bread or wafer. If you're online, go ahead and find some elements right now. But So you need two cups. Don't get rid of both, right? You, you need them both. You're going to come back if you're on the outside to the inside lane. This group, you're going to come here. Middle sections towards the middle aisle. And then come back using the inside aisles. I did it. I did it. So, I mean, literally, like... They're like, we'll let him preach, but if it has to do with logistics, spell it out. It's fair. Uh, if you need gluten-free, there's a station in the back. You're welcome to go back there. If you need somebody to help you or assist you, just get your hand up. If you're not able to come forward, we have ushers that'll come around and make sure you have what you need. Um, as we do this, this band is going to lead us in praise and worship, and uh, we'll have plenty of time for everybody to get their elements and then for you to even begin to engage with God in your seat or as, as you're standing, to just begin praying and preparing your heart. I'll come back out to lead us through communion together. All right? Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you just for how much you desire relationship with us. We thank you for communion and the opportunity to receive these elements, to just where we need to repent where you invite us to renew, and then to just rejoice at what you have done for us. So I just ask, Holy Spirit, have your way as we praise you, as we pray, as we worship, as we receive communion. We thank you for each person here. In Jesus' name, amen.